0: What's up, everybody? My name is Athena, and you're listening to Vanished in the Valley. Today's episode is going to kind of be Bay Area-centric. And when I say Bay Area, I mean the San Francisco Bay Area in California. So we have an update on the Erica Lloyd case, and we have a couple missing women out of the Bay Area that I'm going to tell you about today. We're also finally going to get to a knife pick of the week. So, sit back, get ready, and let's start this shit. So we're going to start today with an update on Erica Lloyd. I talked about her a few weeks ago. She was the 37-year-old mother from Walnut Creek, California, and her case kind of got more attention, online attention, social media attention. Because Army Hammer was kind of being tied to her case. Because supposedly, the rumor is that skeletal remains were found in Wonder Valley, California, which is around 140 miles east of Los Angeles, where allegedly, supposedly, Army Hammer was working on a construction site. So, unfortunately, the remains found at that site in Wonder Valley have now actually been officially identified as Erica Lloyd. The San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department do state that Army Hammer is not a suspect in the case. So on January 31st, detectives from the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Homicide Division responded when human remains were found in the Wonder Valley area. Close to where Army Hammer worked at a construction site. The public information officer and the sheriff's office confirmed that Army Hammer has not come up as a suspect at all in this investigation. But as of right now, like I said, her remains have been positively identified. Her family has kind of made a statement that now is the time for grieving. Close to eight months have passed since Erica disappeared, and we've been blessed by countless efforts of selflessness and compassion on part of the community and our family. And that was coming from Colin Lloyd, who's her brother. He wrote this last Thursday on his Facebook page. He goes on to say, Right now is the time for grieving, and I encourage everyone to pause and reflect on the beautiful soul we've lost, our Erica. In the Facebook post announcing his sister's death, Colin also wanted to thank everyone who was involved in searching for his sister. He said, We would like to thank the men and women of the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department. To include their families, all the men and women who performed searches in the desert. Doug Billings and his friends who assisted in the search. The residents of 29 Palms and Wonder Valley. You all have been nothing short of a miracle for all of us. Oh my god, that's fucking heart-wrenching. So her backstory is she was just kind of like losing it. Just needed to get out of the house. She'd been locked down because of the scandemic. Her son was being homeschooled. She'd lost her job. She had no income. And she was just going stir crazy from being locked down like so many other Californians and Americans in general. So, she told her family and her friends she was going to go on a road trip down south to Joshua Tree National Forest. Well, two days into this road trip, she lost contact with her family. Her mom, Ruth Lloyd, said that she did speak to Erica on June 14th, the day she disappeared. Her mom goes on to say, she sounded like she was driving. She was speaking very rapidly. It was just hard to make out exactly what she was saying. The same day she loses contact with her family, CHP finds her car completely busted up, like windows smashed out. But the strange thing, despite all of this damage to her car, CHP is saying there's no evidence Erica was involved in a traffic accident. So it's like, okay, she has damage to the front end of her car, the back windshield is totally smashed out, her radiator is all smashed up, but CHP doesn't think she was involved in an accident. So what does that leave? Like vandalism? I'm not sure. This story just has so many strange aspects to it. So if you want all the details, I did cover it a couple episodes ago. Uh, Go check that one out if you want more details because this is just like a huge mystery. Supposedly, she was supposed to be meeting these two unknown people at the Joshua Tree National Park, but the police and her family have no idea who these two people are, and they've never come forward to identify themselves. So, it's pretty strange like what happened to Erica? And how is her car found about 10 miles from where the hikers found her remains? It's like, did she walk these 10 miles in the desert? Did somebody dump her body there? There's just so many questions, and we have no answers right now. I want to know. She's from, like, my childhood stomping grounds. I actually lived in Walnut Creek for a couple of years. So it's a Bay Area person, a Bay Area mystery. What happened to Erica Lloyd? If you have any information on Erica Lloyd or the two people she was camping with, any information at all, please call California Highway Patrol at 760-366-3707. Or, you can also contact the Walnut Creek Police Department at area code 925-943-5844. Or, you can email me at vanishedinthevalley at com. Or you can go to the Instagram and search Vanished in the Valley Athena. If you want the police to have some information, but you do not want to be tied to the case, go ahead, send me that info, and I will get it over to them, and we will leave you out of the case completely. So before we go on to the next missing person case, I do have just a little tiny side rant to go on. So there was an operation called Operation Talon, That was kind of put together in the last weeks of the Trump administration. And what it was is it basically targeted sex traffickers that were in the country illegally. So a few days ago, a bunch of reports started coming out that Biden had canceled this operation. And actually 18 state attorney generals penned a letter to the White House asking for the program to be reinstated. So if you look it up on Snopes, they fucking lawyer talk it and try to make it seem like the White House had nothing to do with it. This was all on ICE making the cancellation. But if you actually like look into it, the reason ICE has quote unquote canceled Operation Talon is because they're still waiting on input from the White House and the Biden administration hasn't responded. So ICE is kind of in limbo. The Biden administration has not given the go-ahead, so ICE just cancels it. It's just fucking annoying how Snopes will try to, like, lawyer talk shit and make fucking the color white seem like it's actually the color red with their fancy fucking words. But if you actually look into shit, use some critical thinking, half the shit on Snopes is just ridiculous. Like recently, I came across this story from way back when this whole fucking coronavirus shit happened. There was a guy in a motorcycle accident who was killed in the accident, but his death was registered as a coronavirus death. Now, this actually fucking happened, but if you go on Snopes, they do their fancy fucking lawyer talk and they just try to make it seem like it never happened, when in reality, This guy was counted as a corona death for like six months. And finally, after all the media attention on it, they finally corrected it and took that guy off the registry of corona deaths. So what the fuck? It takes media attention and everybody in America finding out about it for them to take that person's death off the rona registry? So just be careful when you're looking at Snopes information. It's not the truth always. It's not so black and white. They have an agenda. They're following a narrative. And it's definitely not just some non-biased information. So, okay, side rant over. Let's get on to the next missing person. So the next case we're going to talk about is missing 19-year-old Sydney West, who's from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. But she vanished after moving to Berkeley, California, to attend the University of Cal Berkeley. She was last seen September 30th, 2020 in the area of Chrissy Field near the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco around 6.45 a.m. Now that's where it's kind of confusing. There's an interview I'm going to play for you in just a minute from her parents and they state she was actually seen on the Golden Gate Bridge and there's no video of her actually leaving the bridge. So, she's on the bridge. She's spotted on the Golden Gate Bridge at 6.45 in the morning. Now, let me tell you, at 6.45 in the morning, the Golden Gate Bridge is going to be super foggy. You're not going to have a lot of visibility at that point in the day. And I hate to say this, but the Golden Gate Bridge has a reputation of being a suicide bridge. A lot of people go there to end their lives. And I'm really hoping that's not the case with Sydney. So hold on for one sec. I'm going to play this statement from her parents. It's fucking heartbreaking. She's been missing for months, but here are her parents. Hi, we are Kimberly and Jay West, Sydney West's parents. As many of you know, our daughter went missing on the morning of September 30th, where she was last seen on the Golden Gate Bridge. You know, that morning that Sydney was on the bridge, there was a lot of people uh, that uh, We're near her, Uh, I know this because I reviewed the video. Uh, So we just, we absolutely believe that somebody must know something. So because it's almost four months now and we are desperate to have our daughter back, we are offering a $10,000 reward to anybody who is able to locate and bring her home to us. Or provide information that uh, that does the same. And that information should be passed to Scott Dudak, our private investigator in San Francisco. Um, you know, we have received tips and people ask us all the time, you know, uh, have you, is there anything new? And the reality is, is that we get tips all the time. Uh, some is, you know, just as few as a couple weeks ago, somebody you know, says that they saw Sydney near a food truck in San Francisco. Um, many of these tips, they haven't panned out, uh, but we are hopeful, uh, because not all of them, we've been able to run them all the way down. Um, so we, and we want our daughter home. So please share. And help us bring her home. Thank you so much. So as her father, Jay West, said, please contact Scott Dudick, who is the private investigator in San Francisco, at area code 925-705-8328. So, and like I was saying, the dad, Jay, is saying she was last spotted on the Golden Gate Bridge. So the Golden Gate Bridge always has foot traffic. It always has car traffic. Someone should have seen something, but it's like she went on the bridge and disappeared. No cameras ever caught her leaving that bridge. So kind of points to all bad in my opinion, but maybe somebody saw her get scooped up in a car. Maybe something else happened. Who knows? But like I said, if you have any information on the whereabouts of Sydney West, please contact Scott Dudrick, the guy I just told you, the private investigator. And again, in case you missed it, there is a $10,000 reward for information that leads to Sydney's whereabouts. Her parents absolutely 100% believe somebody knows something about her disappearance. The police say Wes stands 5 foot 10 inches tall, weighs 135 pounds. She has blonde hair and blue eyes. She was last seen in a sweatshirt, white athletic shorts, and a slip-on Vans shoes. You can contact Sergeant Horan. He's, uh, I guess, the lead investigator on her case at 415-553-1028. In North Carolina, you can call Investigator Ashley Woodleaf at area code 919-245-2909. On October 5th, 2020, the San Francisco Police Department did release a statement stating, On October 2nd, 2020, at approximately 2 p.m., the San Francisco police officers from Central Police Station prepared a missing persons report regarding 19-year-old Sydney West. A member of Sydney's family had reported her missing. She is last believed to have been seen in the area of Chrissy Field on the morning of September 30th. Sydney is considered at risk due to depression. And then it just goes on to give her a visual description and what she was last seen. Now, because the San Francisco police did put that tidbit out about her being at risk due to depression and she was last seen on the bridge, I'm just like, I don't want to think it, but I mean, logically, my mind is going to. Maybe Sydney took her life. But if that was the case, they should have found a body. I mean, nine and a half times out of ten, the San Francisco Fire Department, the Coast Guard, they're really good at recovery. And that hasn't happened. So there is still hope that Sydney is out there somewhere. So like I said before, if you have any information, please contact one of the numbers we just listed for you. So the last case I'm going to talk about today in our little group of missing Bay Area women is Tara Lynn Trunick, who's 28 years old and the police say she's considered at risk due to her history of mental illness and drug addiction. Tara is a happy, lovable, empathetic person said her foster mother, Kim Mapes. An addiction is a separate part of who she is and who we know her to be. Now I know the media hasn't been talking about it a lot lately. The government hasn't been doing much about lately. But there is still a severe opiate and meth epidemic going on here in the Bay Area and probably across the country. I know in San Francisco, more people are actually dying from opiates and the coronavirus, but the media doesn't want to talk about that. So unfortunately, terror has been missing for over a month now. The Santa Rosa police are asking for the public's help in locating her. There's been searchers canvassing parking lot area where she was last seen in Santa Rosa, California, and that's actually on Santa Rosa Avenue. Her life has definitely been unraveling, said her foster mom, who fears Trinic has actually relapsed after almost two years in drug recovery. Maeve said Trunick is not taking her prescription medication for bipolar disease and that can make her paranoid and delusional. Her foster mom went on to say the thing that's scaring her the most is she's not keeping in touch right now. And she says Trunick had always stayed in touch. We just know that she typically calls, she checks in, and she certainly calls when she needs help. She stays pretty close to her people. Agreed her ex-fiance. So apparently she has a kid with this guy. They're no longer engaged, but they are on good terms. Unfortunately, their kid was adopted out due to the drug addiction problems, but I guess that whole mess did inspire both of them to get off drugs and get into recovery. So we just, we don't know. So many things could have happened to her at this point. And in Santa Rosa, it's very close to all the other cities in the Bay Area, which have very active drug scenes. There's tent cities, which basically have open drug markets. And and she could have even been sex trafficked. There's just so many different things that could have happened to her. But her family does think that she is still out there. She just needs help right now. Her ex-fiance, Pryor, says that Trunick has turned to self-destructive behaviors to cope with the loss of their toddler son. Like I said, he was taken from the couple because of their drug addiction and adopted by another family. Pryor remains clean and in a recovery program. They're saying Tara is just having a really hard time and is trying to learn to forgive herself for the whole mess with her child. Their child is now four years old, and Trunick is able to see him when she's off drugs. Those visits are by phone or they're in person. Those visits by phone or in person were what were keeping her going. But now Trunick is gone, and the search turned to homeless shelters, the encampments, but she has no card. She has no money. Her last contact with Pryor was a flurry of Facebook messenger calls from an unfamiliar phone number. Later the owner of that cell phone, told Pryor that Trunick had borrowed it outside of a store, used it, then went on her way. But check this out, this is kind of the scary part. After Pryor searched that guy's name on the internet, it turned up disturbing information. It leads back to 2010 and a six-year prison sentence for raping and almost killing a young lady. Her foster mom says she became extraordinarily alarmed and came out here to start the search for her. The police did question that individual. Her foster mom calls Trinic a survivor her whole life. She's been in foster care since the age of four, separated from her six siblings growing up, and enduring an abusive adoption until the age of 14. That's when Mapes and her husband became her foster parents, and she moved to the Modesto area for high school. But Chernick still has friends and relatives in the North Bay. I don't feel that she's dead. That's just my gut feeling, said Pryor, the ex-fiancé, although he can't explain why she hasn't reached out to anyone. One thing about Tara, she can talk herself into anything, but I just feel she can't talk herself out of whatever situation she's in. There is a Facebook page that's been set up dedicated to Tara. It's called Missing Tara Trunick. Last Saturday, dozens of volunteers planned to gather at noon in downtown Santa Rosa for their biggest search effort yet. I absolutely believe she'll fight to come back if she can, said her foster mom, who admits she's terrified Trunick might overdose or die out in the elements. She wants the opportunity to find her and help her navigate her way back to health. I am her mom, and I promised her when she came to me 14 years ago that as long as I live and breathe, she would always have a mom, and that's why I'm here. Oh my fucking God, you guys. Can you even imagine? And it's like a lot of people are going to judge this woman because she's a drug addict. She's just an addict. But she had a super fucking rough upbringing and don't fucking judge someone until you've walked a mile in her shoes. I mean, I I can't even imagine how traumatic that would be to be put through the foster care system, lose contact with your six siblings, be abused by the people that adopted you. I mean, it just sounds like a total abusive shit show. And here she was two years sober, which is a huge fucking accomplishment. And it sounds like everything just kind of got to her and she slipped up. And I kind of just have the feeling she's out there, maybe working as, you know, a sex worker or even being sex trafficked. She's very attractive girl. I'll put pictures up of her up on the Instagram. Like I said, she's 28 years old. She's a white female with blonde hair. She's five foot one, weighs a hundred pounds. And she frequently wears her hair in braids. She has a butterfly tattoo on her right shoulder. If you have any information, please contact the Santa Rosa Police Department at 707-543-3600. And like I said, you can also go to the Facebook group I was telling you about earlier and just share the hashtag, bring Tara home. We're trying to get her story out because she's been missing for over a month, you guys. She went missing on January 11th, and the last known sightings were in the area of Santa Rosa, Sonoma County, Petaluma, Nevada, and Roner Park. So be on the lookout. I really hope this girl can come back and get back into recovery and fight for her life and, you know, hopefully her, I fucking feel so terrible for her foster mom. It seems like she got Tara in her life and was that pillar she needed. She, you know, literally said, I'll be your mom forever. And now this girl's just gone. Somebody has to know something. She's got to be somewhere. Among those active in the search for her is Rebecca Brewster, who met Tronic in a treatment center in 2017 and since then has been clean. Tara is the most compassionate mother, Brewster said. When we got sober, Tara really tried to get herself together to get her son back. When he got adopted, that really took a toll on her. Brewster has talked to people at motels and homeless encampments, handing out flyers, seeking information on Trinik's whereabouts. Because of my history, I know where to look. But check this out, guys. Against the advice of Valise, Her foster mom Mapes is offering a $500 reward for information that could lead her back to Trunick. Considering how eager many people are on the streets would be to collect that reward, the fact that no one's come forward yet is kind of worrisome, Brewster said. So even some of her family and friends think there's a chance she could be caught up in sex trafficking. I hate putting it out there because it feels like bad juju, her ex-fiance prior says, but I'm afraid that's what's going on. And, you know, honestly, you guys, that's kind of the impression I'm getting from this situation too. I mean, I fucking hope that's not the case, but I seriously kind of get those vibes with this case. So anybody out there in the Bay, contact those numbers I gave you. Contact the Facebook page I gave you. She's got to be out there somewhere. I don't think she's just vanished. I think she's just descended into addiction and is out there on the streets, the homeless encampments, and possibly maybe even sex trafficking. So there you have it. There's our three cases of three females either from the Bay Area or missing in the Bay Area. And they're just very strange cases. And I truly believe somebody out there has information on each one of these cases that could lead to it being solved and justice being served. If you guys have a tip or something and you don't want to talk to the police, contact me at vanishedinthevalley at gmail.com or go to Instagram and search vanishedinthevalley Athena. Give me that information and I will turn it over to the police and completely leave you out of it. But let's get some of these cases solved because these families are going to bed every night wondering, worrying. I can't even imagine how fucking terrible it's got to be for these people. All right, so before I check out of here, we need to get to the knife pick of the week. I know we haven't had one in like two weeks, so I had to do it this week because check this out. Garrett, my lovely boyfriend, got me the most bomb fucking knife for Valentine's Day. Check this shit out. So I'm just like randomly sitting there one day and I get a text from Garrett. And in the text, he sends me a link to this account on Instagram and I check it out. And it's all of these like handmade, beautiful, custom Damascus steel knives. Now, if you don't know what Damascus steel is, let me just give you the rundown real quick. So Damascus steel is actually a famed type of steel. And it's recognizable by the watery or wavy light and dark pattern of the metal. It's like this beautiful pattern of grays and silvers. It's just fucking amazing. And aside from being beautiful, Damascus steel was valued because it maintained a keen edge, yet it was hard and flexible. Weapons made from Damascus steel were vastly superior to weapons formed from iron. So it's just like a highly sought after beautiful metal to forge knives with. So (laughs) I picked out a knife from this Instagram account and I'm like, I like these three, so pick out one. So that my lovely, amazing boyfriend picked out I'll put a picture up because I'm just, you know, describe it. And my description is not going to do it justice. So it's about 12 inches in total, maybe about six inch blade. And the handle is like this polished wood with this beautiful little blue mosaic stamped in. There's like black stone that actually meets the blade. It's full fucking tang. There's a little, oh my God, uh, you guys, I'll just post a picture of it. And I'm even stoked about the leather case it came in. It's high quality leather there's patterns on it. I like the way there's like different areas for the belt loops. So it kind of hangs at a maybe horizontal or sort of diagonal level. But you guys go check out this knife maker. He's can be found on Instagram at s underscore m knives seven eight six. He not only has knives, he has hatchets, he has kitchen knives, he's got swords, he's fucking got everything. And it's super high quality. I'm definitely going to go back. He even has rings made. So go check this guy out. He is a hustler. Like he is trying to get this stuff sold. It's high fucking quality. And I do not rave about knives like this often. But 100% guys, go check this guy out. Amazing knives. (laughs) So before I run away from here, I do have to thank our downloaders. So check this out. Denver, Colorado. They literally have never been on my front page. Should, I don't think I've ever even seen them in the running for downloads. And suddenly they come out of nowhere and knock Manteca out of the first place. And they've been maintaining first place for, I think, about a week now. Manteca still in second place. We've got LA. What's up, LA? We got Temecula. We've got Town in the mix. We have got Lathrop. What's up, Lathrop, California? And San Leandro. So, guys, I may be changing podcast providers soon. I don't think there's going to be an interruption in my podcast episodes per se but I may have a different website. I'm not exactly sure. I will definitely let you guys know if something changes up. So that's about the end of this episode of Vanished in the Valley. As I always tell you, be aware and don't forget your pepper spray. Ciao, ciao. If you would like to become a producer and support Vanished in the Valley, you can go to Cash App and search for Vanished Athena, or you can go to the episode description, scroll down, and look for a link that says Support Acast Vanished in the Valley. Click that link, and it'll bring you to a page where you can show us some love. Are you wrong,